Hello, and welcome to Breadcrumbs, where it is our mission to minister enough breadcrumbs to provoke your hunger for the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining. Hello, everyone. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be unto you. I am excited about uh, stepping into season two. This is the uh, premiere of season two. And I'm excited about season two and what the Lord has given direction of doing spiritual conversations with others. And uh, just really excited about what the Lord has in store. And I have uh, some people lined up in my mind of uh, what I, who I believe the Lord has kind of dropped thoughts to me of to, uh, to bring on and to have spiritual conversations with them and uh, in those conversations to begin to sow or feed breadcrumbs to the listeners. Uh, there's something about spiritual conversations when you begin to uh, have spiritual conversations with people, the Holy Ghost just begins to flow, and many times revelation will begin to come just by having conversations with people and talking about the Word of God. And that has happened much in my life with various friends, uh, just talking to them about the Word of God and discussing things, and the Spirit of the Lord comes in, and revelation begins to flow as you talk to people about the Word of God, and it's a beautiful thing. And so uh, that's kind of the idea behind this, is to have spiritual conversations and allow the Spirit to begin to flow and revelation to begin to come between uh, two people having spiritual conversations. So uh, right now, this uh, I have with me, Jace Blair, and he is one of my friends that I met uh, in 2018 on a missions trip to Costa Rica, and we have been friends since then. God has put a connection between us, and he is a brother to me, and uh, we have had many spiritual conversations over the phone, and revelation begin to flow as we uh, speak to each other, and uh, he has called me, I know, twice with a word from God that has been on point, he, he's been a real brother to me and a help to me. And so uh, he is, Jace Blair is the first uh, guest I have for season two and stepping into spiritual conversations. And uh, me and him have, uh, we had a discussion not too long ago. And uh, I felt that, you know, that's kind of the discussion we need to have in this episode. Uh, it was a pretty powerful conversation. And uh, so that's our goal or that's our agenda is to rediscuss that topic and and to record it and uh, let the Holy Ghost flow and to post it out for others so that people can hear uh, some breadcrumbs and be ministered to. So uh, this is Jace Blair. I'm going to let him introduce himself. I've already introduced him, but I'm going to let him kind of introduce himself very briefly and say a few things about himself, and and uh, we will begin to discuss the topic that the Lord has set before us. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Brother Elders, man, or I'd call you Josh. <laughs> in, 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 in public, though, I'll call you Brother Elders out of respect. Um, it is true, though, we, we, God has uh, 
connected us and I, I feel great kinship between our families. Uh, it's an honor to be on breadcrumbs. I've been enjoying the uh, podcast. I've gone back and listened to certain episodes and enjoy the passion behind it and uh, the teaching and the uh, it's ministered to me. And so it's an honor to be here as far as a little bit about myself. Um, not, not much really to tell. I was uh, raised apostolic. I was raised in this precious truth. And, um, yeah, uh, raised in a, in a good family, a good stable home. I had a really blessed childhood. Um, and, uh, then met Mandy, um, on a missions trip. Uh, I make some of my strongest connections, it seems on missions trips. It seems seems Uh, that way. (laughs) It it seems that way for sure. Um, but I I met, I met her on a missions trip in 2014 when we went to the Netherlands, we met at the uh, connecting airport in DC and, uh, it was an instant connection and uh, long story short we started dating then we got engaged and got married in 2015 um we'll actually be celebrating eight years of marriage next month in october Ooh. and uh, yeah we're excited um i'm gonna do something special for her i'm excited I have a about question it. is sure, it eight sure, long sure. years or eight short years my answer to that is some years are longer than others <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some years are longer than others. And she probably answered the same. She may actually say all years were long and um, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to argue with her, but some years were certainly longer than others, but it has been a blessing. Um, we've, we've helped each other grow so much. Um, sometimes that growth has just been rapid and uh, fluid and it's been, um, it's been great. And sometimes it's been painstaking growth, but e- growth either way is good growth. Um, so, um, yeah, she's, she's been such a tremendous blessing in my life, and I love her very much. And then, of course, we met on another missions trip a few years later uh, in 2018 with y'all in Costa Rica. And, um, yeah, and God's just God's been using us. He's been good. Uh, we were in Virginia when we got married. We were there for nearly eight years, and we just recently moved back to Texas a couple months ago. So um, we're excited to be back in Texas. God's doing great things. Uh, been a real blessing to us. And that's, a, I mean, that's about it for me. I'll probably share a little bit more of my testimony and things like that as we progress through the episode. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it about me. It's, it's, it's nothing crazy. <laughs> but that's my yes. story. I love the Blairs. I love mm. uh, Jace and Mandy. And I consider them dear friends. So well, we love you very um, much, too. And, and God has done great things in their life, and he's continuing to do some amazing things. And I'm excited about all that God has in store uh, for the Blairs. Amen. Um, so we had discussed about, um, about God is definitely the most high God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the scripture says that, Jesus is a high priest that is able to be touched with our infirmities mm-hmm. and he is able to be in, to be touched by our infirmities and he knows how to help in time of need because he's been there. He's mm-hmm. done that and he humbled himself and he became lowly. And so we know God to be the most high God and we declare him to be the most high God, but uh, Brother Blair mentioned something to me in our discussion a few weeks ago. Uh, he, he said that. He said, you know, God is the most high God. 
but he's also the most low God in everything in between. And, and it's so true because the word of God, it does, it says he's able to be touched with our infirmities. So while he is the most high God, he is also lowly. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly. Um, he, he, he went through trials. He went through tribulations. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was crucified. He was murdered. Uh, he knows what it's like to go through issues and problems and trials and tribulations. And because he knows what it's like, the word of God says he's able to help us in time of need because he knows what it's like to be in a low place. Um, so that that's kind of the discussion that we had uh, discussed. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to let you uh, kind of take it from there, Jason, and we'll continue discussing this topic about Jesus is he's the most high God, but he's also the most low God. Um, absolutely. And I think it's actually um, pretty interesting. The more you, the more you study about how high he is, um, it really makes a greater impact on when you understand how, low also he is so to actually to help ironically lay a foundation for the lesson to build upon actually i want to talk about that aspect of him being the most high god um because we can't only under we, we, we can't only understand him as the most low god either because then we, we we downplay the king of kings Correct. we got to understand both, both sides and I, I, I wanted to start with the most the aspect of the most high God, understanding that he's the most high God. He's called Wonderful Counselor, um, the Mighty God. He's called Almighty. He's known as God the Most High or the Most High God. The word most high there means uh, the supreme magistrate, supreme deity. Uh, he's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. There are endless scriptures describing the greatness and the majesty of our Lord. And our, our finite brains can't even wrap around the idea of just how awesome our God is. Um, yes. We use all these descriptive words, but they fall short of just how awesome he is. Um, he's called omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Romans 13 and 1 describes that all power comes from him, or he is power. He is the embodiment of power, and there is no power but of him. And any power that is ordained, it's because of him. Uh, and he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, there's nothing that's hid from him, there is nothing that surprises him or shocks him. And uh, he's also omnipresent, he exists outside of time and space, but he also inhabits all of time and space. There's just yes. no way to truly describe with human uh, words that, that, that constantly fall short of describing just how amazing our God is and just how magnificent he is. Um, and when we begin to think about that and, and, and really ponder that, it ought to be such a blessing to us to understand that he, who, who I just described, is our father. Yes. He's our dad. My dad is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And he has shared those incommunicable attributes with us. I'm not all powerful, but he has extended power to me. I have authority in the Holy Ghost. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm not 
all-knowing, but he has shared some of that with me by giving me revelation, by giving you revelation. He shares his knowledge and opens our understanding. The Bible says he gives wisdom liber- liberally. He, yes. he, he wants to share his all-knowingness with us. We'll never be all-knowing. We'll never be all-powerful. We'll never be everywhere at once, but he is everywhere with you. So when we when we understand those things that are incommunicable, and that word just simply means un, untouchable, it, it it's not shared, it's not communicated with us. Um, I, I'm not going to be all powerful. I'm not going to be all knowing. I'm not going to be everywhere at once. I'm still finite. I'm still limited. But with the Holy Ghost that's inside of me, I have extended authority from the Lord. I do get revelation and illumination, and He will actually speak that through me. Uh, into other people to bless other people and he will be everywhere I go and that is not just limited to the mountaintop he is with us also in the valley he is everywhere at once and that includes being everywhere with you and everywhere with me at the same time Uh, again just no words to really describe how amazing God is God I heard a professor say it like this he can uh, me and me and Josh here in the call he can speak two different things to both of us at the same exact time. Yeah. That's just how amazing he is and how multifaceted and amazing our God is. Yeah. Um, I want to, so one, one powerful thing about that is even when a man of God is ministering to a congregation or to a group of people, he can say under the influence of the Holy ghost, he can, he can say one sentence or a paragraph and yet, 10 people receive something completely entirely different mm-hmm. from the same sentence or paragraph that he spoke because the Holy Ghost can it, 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 it can take that word and communicate it to each individual as they need it personally. It, only God can do something like that. Right. Absolutely. That, that, that's so that's so true. It's so powerful. His his word is so powerful. Um and we got to understand that we, we it is so important that we understand how just just how high and it's by his grace that he is even attainable because we we don't we don't deserve it he 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 could totally be justified in remaining unattainable unobtainable and uh having no relationship with us but i heard a message preached about god's greatest desire is man's greatest need and that's to know him yeah. My greatest need is to know it's God, to know and his greatest desire is to know me. Yes, sir. That's powerful. That's the God we serve. He, 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 he wants to communicate. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but he wants to have a relationship with you beyond Sunday with pastor and beyond right. Wednesday night with pastor. He wants to have a relationship with you on Monday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and every, every day. He wants to yes. have a relationship with you personally. Um, if your relationship with God is through your pastor or anybody else, it's not really a relationship. I can't have a relationship with my wife through anybody. That's right. I, I can I can only have a relationship with my wife with her. That's the only way it works. And that sounds so practical, but we do that with God. We try to have a relationship with him through different means. Yeah. Um, you got to have that time with him um, because he wants that time with you. He desires that time with you. Um, so again, it, it's incredibly vital and important that we understand how powerful and majestic he is to really understand how lowly and how humble he is as well. Um, and, and, and I want to uh, go ahead and dive into that. Now that we understand 
that he is the most high God. When we think we all understand, there's nobody listening to this that doesn't understand that. Um, now that we do understand all those things, it ought to make even more of an impact on us when we read the scripture that says, if he be for us, who can be against us? A lot of times we misquote that verse and say, who can stand against us? Uh, it says, who can be against us? Yeah. Nothing can even be against us. If there is anything coming at you in your life, trust me, it's because God allowed it. That's it. That, that, that's the only way anything can touch you is if God allowed it. And, and, and again, no power is ordained but of God. Satan could not have touched Job. He only got it because he asked for his permission and God granted it. That's the only way. Um, so, again, I don't, I don't think nobody really uh, uh, truly, you know, uh, has a misunderstanding of how great our God is. We, we sing it all the time. Uh, we, we understand how great he is. But now I, I want to kind of transition this into being the most low God because in him being the most low God allows me to have access to him being the most high God. That's the part I really want to get the listeners to understand. If yeah. God never became the most low God, we, especially as Gentiles, would have never been able to understand just how high and awesome he is. I wouldn't be able to experience the most high God unless he became the most low God. Yes. And that, that's what I want people to really understand. It's not just like, well, he's the most high and most low. No, he's everything in between. He's everywhere. He, he's most high and most low. But because he's most low, I can understand that he's most high. And I can yeah. experience that he's most high. I, I, I experience that he is a healer because he is most high. But I only really experience his healing power active in my life because he was the most low. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Because he came down as man... Deity became humanity, and because he did, and he died for us, and took the stripes, took all the, and went through all that stuff for us. I can experience his healing. I can I can experience all those things about God because he came down and became the most low. So uh, I want to take this from a scripture, um, Hebrews chapter two, uh, verses six through nine. And uh, it says, but one in a certain place testified, saying, they're quoting a verse, and they're actually referencing Psalms uh, chapter 8, 4 through 6. That says, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, this is key right here, but we see Jesus, who is also made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Um, for it became him for whom all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation, which is Jesus, perfect through uh, suffering. It, it goes on later to uh, explain that uh, Jesus took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham or he came as a man. 
Um, and we understand that, but I really want to hone in on that part where it says he was made a little lower than the angels, which is where we're at. Um, we are a little lower than the angels. Now, it's it's really mind-boggling for me to read that because if I were in that position, I would have never done it. Nobody on earth would have never done it. If you were God, if I were God, I don't care. Name the greatest saint in the world. If, if they were God, they would not have stepped down from that place being above and beyond everything to become finite and weak to 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 die on a cross yeah. he made himself lower than his own creation and we know he was made lower because his human side had to pray to his god side to have access to angels because yeah. he told peter when when peter don't you know if, if i pray to my father in heaven he, he'll send all the angels i need to liberate me from this situation he, jesus in his humanity could not command the angels but right. he could pray to his deity side and he could have uh, reconnect with his deity side and then command them so he was he truly did set himself lower than the angels in the flesh yes um, he was he was just like you and I, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, became a lowly carpenter, and was later ridiculed for that position. It's not this the carpenter; he could do no great and mighty work in Nazareth. He really did become, and, and Jesus was not this long-haired, handsome man that we think of, that that we see depicted. I, I I believe Jesus was as plain as it gets. There was nothing super special about the way he looked. Um, which is why it was so hard for people to receive him as the Messiah. He did not look like a Messiah. Yeah. The, uh -huh. Even the scripture says that he, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly where it is or the exact wording, but it, it, I believe it's in Isaiah and it says that he, uh, wasn't, he didn't look very comely. So mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but I believe it's in Isaiah and it's saying that he, he didn't look pretty. He, mm -hmm. he wasn't a handsome man. He, he, there was no reason that anyone would follow him because of how he looked. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, he he didn't look like a Messiah. Now, mm -hmm. Number one, they had the wrong view of what the Messiah was going to look like. They they saw the Messiah coming back as the king and the warrior and the ruler, in which he will do that. But they missed of his first coming of the of a suffering servant. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, they they. He did not look like a messiah to them. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, what's funny is David didn't look like a king. Saul looked like a king. David, it said that he was young and ruddy. Yeah. I mean, he, he, but, but uh, David was a man after God's own heart and Jesus came from the lineage of David. Yeah. So David, David really is truly um, in many ways, a type of Christ because he was young ready uh, but full of faith and uh jesus was not was not a good looking man to look upon um in his fleshly form and in, in flesh incarnate and um the, yeah the, the, there's nothing when you when you look let me have to say samuel was told to look beyond the looks yeah when anointing the next king of israel the first king who went by looks totally failed and in comes David, and he's told to anoint him. Looks nothing like a king, looks nothing like you would expect. And um, this is why it is important that even today in church, we look through spiritual lens 
and uh, not through uh, exclusively physical lens. We, yeah. we, we, we cannot go by our physical eyes when we're operating in the supernatural, operating in the gifts, um, being used in discernment. When all these things are happening in the church and are happening as we go through our daily lives, we must learn to walk in the realm of the Spirit because not things are not always as they seem. Yeah. Um, and you know, talk, speaking of David, uh, David, I, I, I really felt, I know, I'll be, I, I apologize to the listeners. I, I know it probably may seem like I'm sort of all over the place. I kind of, I'm kind of just going with the flow on this one. Um, I have some scriptures and that's about it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fleshing out this topic as I speak with y'all, but, um, the only thing I really felt lately when, when thinking about this podcast was about David and, um, David is specifically, uh, David and Goliath, uh, that whole narrative of David and Goliath, I believe really correlates with this. Um, first of all, and I'm summarizing the story here. David's already anointed and he's already working in the palace. He's anointed to be king. He's already working in the, in the royal household of Saul because he was used to play the instrument to drive the evil spirit away that was tormenting Saul. This is before Goliath. And then here comes Goliath. He's defying the armies of God. He's defying God. And David is coming to the battlefield to see his brothers um, and uh, is asking what's going to be done to the man that kills this uncircumcised Philistine. And uh, he's getting ridiculed for his confidence because he knows that he could take this guy on. And everybody's ridiculing him for it. But David, it says, he spoke after the same manner. And everybody else spoke after the former manner, which means that David retained his confidence even while others were criticizing him. And his message never changed. And we have to take on that same thing, especially if there are any ministers listening to this. If God has given you a word, and if you're following steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and you're getting ridiculed for it, your message better never change. That's it. And be like David and speak after the manner that they spoke, because I'm not really worried about being cursed by anybody down here. I'm worried about being uh, cursed by the Lord, because if we preach any other gospel, we will be accursed. Yeah. Um, I, I would much rather suffer the curse of man than suffer the curse of God. Um, For sure. So David, David uh, was consistent, spoke after the same manner, news got to Saul. They let him know what, he, what was said, and Saul brings him in. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, David has to do some convincing. Saul doesn't believe he can do it, and David lets him know of his private victories. You weren't there when I killed the lion, and you weren't there when I killed the bear. And that same God that gave me the strength and the ability and the tools and everything that I needed to achieve those personal private victories, this public big victory is, is, is nothing. The same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And uh, Saul relents and lets him go, but he says, first, I want you to put on my armor. I want, I want, I'm going to put on uh, the things that worked for me. I'm going to put on the things that I won my battles in. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
This goes back to having a relationship with the Most High God and the Most Low, just having a relationship with God. Um, again, you can't have a relationship with God through anybody else. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't dawn on another person's ministry. Let God use you and be you. Yeah. Um, and, and David even replied, he says, I haven't proved these. Those victories that you won in this armor, I didn't win those. Those weren't my victories. The way that you want a victory may not necessarily be the way God wants me to win this victory. I have not proved these. Yeah. It's like me showing up one day and you telling me, hey, I want you to take over this church. It's like, I haven't proved this. <laughs> this isn't my, this isn't a congregation that I've been called to lead. You know, there, there, there's, there is a, a process for that. And I know it's a different situation, but it's the same thing. David said, I have not ever fought in these. I've never yeah. had victories in these. I've never used these. I have no experience in this. So David goes in and fights in his shepherd's gear. And so the same, see, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You, you can see where, so the armor and the sword and all of this from Saul and it being, the king's armor and the king's sword. It's a very mm -hmm. highly esteemed, you know, armor and weaponry. Mm -hmm. And yet David's like, no, no, no. I don't need the I don't need the high stuff. I, I, I know what God has done for me in the low mm -hmm. in the lowly. Uh That's right. I didn't have any armor and God delivered the bear and the lion into my hands. I killed them with my hands. I didn't right. even have a sword. I I, bro I broke their necks. And so, uh, yeah, he, I, I didn't, I haven't proved this. I don't know how to use this. I just know how God uses me mm -hmm. and man, right. and, and man, he, he stepped out in his shepherd's clothes with a sling. That's right. <laughs> yep. The that's same, right. The same little weapon he's always been using to protect the sheep. Absolutely. That That's right. And, uh, it just goes to show that, uh, David, again, is a consistent man. The way I won these private victories is not going to change how I win the public victory. I'm not getting glory for glory for this. Yeah. The Lord received all the glory for those private victories, and he's going to receive all the glory for these public victories. Before you have the big public victory and the big public milestone, God needs to see if he can trust you with private victories. Are you going to take credit for even the private victories? Are you going to go around telling everybody this great victory you had in your closet? Or are you just yeah. going to keep it between you and God until it's the right time to share it? Um, exactly. Yeah, because we, David yeah. didn't mention anything to anyone about that until, mm -hmm. like you said, he had to. He had to tell Saul, no, listen, trust me, I, I've seen God do this. It, it's not, he didn't go back, you know, to his brothers, oh, guess what I did? I, Man, I slew a lion and a bear. No one even mm -hmm. knew about it. That's right. Alone in a pasture, just delivering his sheep from wild animals, and um, nobody knew about it but him and God. And, uh, I mean, it, we're talking about a man who spent, if he wasn't protecting the sheep, he was writing psalms, and he was writing songs to the Lord and worshiping the Lord. He, he really had, alone in the pasture is a great theme that, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast episode talking about in David's life. David, before he was anointed king, really uh, didn't have a great home life. And I, I feel like I need to touch on this. I, I feel the Lord directing me here. Let's take it back and talk about this for a little bit. David probably didn't have a great home life. In fact, I'm not saying this is doctrine, but... 
um, the scripture where he says, uh, it, I was born and shapen in iniquity and sent and my mother conceived me. When, when, when he said that, a lot of the ancient scribes and, and, and Jewish people um, and rabbis teach that they actually believe that he even may have been conceived in adultery um, in some sinful situation. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, 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 I think we're all born in sin, but it's just that it, they said it's interesting the way he said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, uh, well, we weren't there. I don't know if it's true <laughs> or not. But I do think it's interesting verbiage to look at and an interesting thing to think about because we, what we do know, according to Scripture, is uh, David wasn't very loved by his family. Um, in fact, when Samuel told Jesse to get all his kids uh, he left David out, yeah. And, and Samuel had to ask, "Do we have any other kids?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, we got this one guy. Oh, we, yeah. got, we, we got we got the youngest." We got and they called for him, and yeah, no, no one loves him. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm telling you that there, I don't know. We don't see, and we, we can only see a, a glimpse into David's early life. Um, but what we do see is problematic. It doesn't look like he was in a very um, in a good place with his family. Um, his brothers, we see the way they talk to him. The only time we see really his brothers talking to him is ridiculing him. And the only time we see him uh, and his uh, his father is uh, him leaving him out um, yeah. when he's telling all his other kids to line up. And uh, So David really had to have a closeness with God because he, he was forced into such a solitude in the pasture. And um, I, I believe that there are listeners who are hearing this that feel like they may even be stuck in that pasture, that you feel isolated, you feel like nobody knows the call of God on your life or nobody sees it, or worse, nobody cares. And I just want you to know that God does care, and he may have you in a David moment. He may have you in a pasture letting you learn now, in spite of everything, I don't know how you're treated. God knows everything, and he knows if he has put you there, it's going to teach you how to worship. Yeah. It's going to teach you how to sing. It's going to teach you how to have victory in private when nobody's watching. It's going to teach you. It's going to set you up for a big Goliath moment. Wow. Um, that, and that, that Goliath moment. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that pasture, him, him all the time in the pasture of him being, you know, ridiculed by his family and kind of isolated out into the pasture. That is where he developed his relationship with God. He didn't have anybody mm -hmm. else, you know, That's and right. he, like you were saying, he developed his relationship with God there and he learned how to give God praise. He, he, he was a man full of praise. So in his lowest moments, that low man learned how to touch the most high God. That's right. And, and it was through humility and giving God praise and worship. Um, wow. Yeah. In, 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 in the midst of, you know, the, the pasture of where he was kind of isolated off to himself in that moment or in that time of his life of isolation, that's where he learned how to really walk with God. And that can feel lonely. The times mm -hmm. of isolation feels very lonely uh, because you feel like you don't have anybody, you know, any person mm -hmm. 
But in reality, God will never leave you or forsake you. Even That's Jesus right. said when he was going to the cross, he said, all of you will leave me, but I am not alone. My father is with me. Right. So David, in the time of isolation in his life, he found out, oh, but God's with me. Right. And, and he learned how to worship and praise God in the middle of isolation. Uh, and that's where you learn that. It's a hard time. Whenever you mm-hmm. look at it through the flesh or if you feel it out in the flesh, that's a hard time. Is isol- Isolation is rough. Mm-hmm. But that's right. where you really learn who God is. Yes, there's a, a beauty in obscurity when, yeah. when God teaches you how to be a nobody. Yeah. How to be most low because he was most low. And, yeah. and that, that's why I'm tying all this in because, and, and you see the, the, the threads that we're weaving here, how it all ties together to this most low God concept. Um, even to experience the, you, you will never have more of an experience with the most high God than when you are at your most low. Yes. When, when you are on, when you're on your face in obscurity, no one knows who you are and no one cares. That's the yeah. worst part is that feeling that nobody cares. I want you to know that God cares. God and, cares. Uh, he, 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 he wants get on your face and seek after him. And I'm telling you, the, the, those who fall on their knees, God will stand up on their feet. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to David. David was in obscurity. He learned to fall on his knees. But when it came to Goliath, God stood him up on his feet. God anointed him to be king. The, the, the Lord knew that he could trust this man to lead his people. Um, and no, sometimes we miss in the scripture that one of the rewards for killing Goliath uh, was, um, I, I, don't, I don't remember all the context. Uh, maybe you could help me here. Um, if not, just know that one of the rewards was uh, the father of the one who got the victory was going to be blessed. Um, said that he would be free. And um, when you look at that, at the end, when, when, when David got the victory, Saul even asked, who is this, who is this young man's father? Because he was about ready to make good on his word and dish out that reward. So the man that probably didn't treat David the best, David's big public victory was a blessing to his father. Yeah. So I feel the Holy Ghost. God will teach you that even the people that did you wrong, when you're yeah. most low, God is where God's going to teach you. You'd be a blessing to those who are low with you, who who probably didn't do you right, yeah. probably who were offensive, probably who left you out and didn't include you and uh, cast you aside. You bless them. And your big public victory, it's not a time to rub it in their face. It's a time to bless them. Yeah. And, and because in the reality of it, if it wasn't for, even though, again, looking at it through the flesh, it's like, man, you know, dad just kind of threw me back here on the backside of the field. He mm-hmm. didn't even, he didn't even consider me whenever the prophet came, uh, you know, that's hurtful. But if it hadn't have been for what Jesse did and putting him in the pasture, he would have never gotten the relationship with God that he got. And he would have never gotten the private victories that he got. Right. So 
the Lord used the neglect of Jesse to uh, equip David for the future. And then whenever it all comes to a head and he's, he has a, his first public victory and God blesses him, it, it spills over into the one that God actually used in order to equip David, even though at the time David didn't really realize what was happening. That's good. Yeah, that's true. Um, again, this, why I wanted to talk about this narrative, it, 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 it's going to, in the end here, we'll really tie this together, especially when we get to the, the climax of the story. Um, so David, we, we kind of went back and forth here because I really felt to go back to that, that pasture narrative is so, is so powerful with this. Um, we talked about how he chose the lowly things and, um, instead of the king's armor. Now he's going out and uh, facing Goliath. Here we are. The big battle that everybody knows about. Everybody in Sunday school has been taught this story at least 3,000 times. We all know this story. But I, I want to hone in on something that we may have not necessarily given a whole lot of thought. David, uh, we know, gets victory and uh, is, is, is mocked before everybody by the Philistine. David tells him, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Again, even before he gets the victory, he's already making sure that God's getting glory for this. And um, slings that stone, one one shot, headshot, and it completely obliterates Goliath. And uh, David runs up and uh, takes Goliath's sword and, and lobs his head off. Now, I want to make a point here. A lot of people view David as this young 12-year-old little boy that was weak it may have been supernatural strength but that sword was made for a nine and a half foot tall monster of a man david david uh historically they don't really know his age but they think he was between 16 and 19 years old i don't know what kind of stuff he was doing in that pasture but he was strong (laughs) he was very strong Um, they, they didn't have computers, TVs. They were not couch potatoes. These men were strong. I don't, and um, yeah. I've saw, I've, I've seen commentaries which may allude to them that they say that it may have, it could have even been supernatural strength. I don't know. Bible doesn't say that. I'm taking it at face value here that David just took that sword and lobbed his head <laughs> off. David was not some young little eight year old kid. He was a very strong yeah. man. Um, may have been a teenager, but was a very, very strong teenager. And anyway, in those times, that when you were 15, 16, you were pretty much an adult. Um, I mean, there were, there were people that took over the kingdom of Israel at, at younger than that, sometimes at eight years old. I mean, uh, you, you grew rather quickly in those times. But anyway, uh, so David, this is, the, this is the point I'm trying to make. David went into that battle with the sling and came out with the sword. Wow. David went into that battle with what he was faithful with, and God blessed him with something that was better. Wow. And uh, it makes even more historical, uh, even more uh, of an impact when you understand the historical context that Israel didn't have swords. It was a hot commodity. They didn't have uh, smiths that could construct that. They were... They, they typically went to battle with uh, staves and uh, rakes and farming equipment. They, they didn't... They didn't typically go to war with a bunch of swords, shields, and spears because they, they didn't have any blacksmiths. So a sword was a big deal, which is why for us, him rejecting Saul's armor is also a big deal because 
that was a hot commodity in that day. Yeah. Um, but he came out of that battle with the sword, and and the message there is: do not despise the day of small things. Don't despise those times of being lowly. We're we're tying this all together, y'all, with most low God. I'm I'm about to get to the the crux here. Don't despise what God has given you now. When you prove faithful over few things, God will be able to trust you over many things. Yes, sir. And and I want to yeah, I want to say something about it as well. So he rejected the armor and the weaponry of Saul because he said, "I haven't proved this." And he just knew how God used him. But when God gave him that huge victory and he came out, he went in with a sling, but it came out with a sword. That was when the Lord proved it. Mm -hmm. It it was in that, in that victory, there was a shift that took place in his life where he found out how to use a sword. Right. It was in that victory. He didn't know how to go into that, into that battle and use this equipment. But when he came out of that battle, he knew how to, he knew how to use a sword then. That's now it. He, now he had his hands on a sword and God taught him something in the midst of one of the greatest victories he ever won. And that's that's powerful. right. Yeah, absolutely. If you will be faithful with what God has given you now, he will elevate you in due season and he'll give you better equipment a greater anointing, greater opportunities. He'll promote you in the job. If you will just pro, Prove faithful in the, the, the low the things that seem lowly uh, yes. that God has given you now. If you'll be faithful with it, you'll go in to battles with the sling, but you'll come out uh, better for it. Yes. Um, you'll come out with the sword. Um, and the thing about David, whenever we read that story, and I'm, I'm actually pulling this from a message I heard. Um, I heard a message preached, and it was literally called, You're Not David. And the minister uh, said that uh, we always uh, put ourselves in that position, that we face our giants. And to some extent, you could probably make that illustration. But in reality, uh, David is a type of Christ. And in reality, a lot of times we're the the cowering Israelites um, hiding in the foxholes from Goliath. Yeah. And he made the point that just like David stood in between the enemy and uh, his people, Jesus stood in between sin and us. Yeah. Make me feel the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, we're not David. We're truthfully the cowering Israelites. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're the people that needed salvation. We needed someone to step in the gap. Yeah. And, and Jesus did. Yes, we face battles. Yes, we, we can make the illness. We can make the point there that we do face giants and things like that. But in reality, when you look at the whole story, the whole picture from a bird's eye view, and you really look at that whole scene, man, Jesus is David. Jesus. We're not David. Yeah. Wow. He, he came down. And again, I wish I came up with that message. I actually believe it was Raymond Woodward that preached that message. But um, he, uh, when I first heard that, it really changed the way I thought about everything. You know, Jesus is the one that stood in the gap. I could not have overcome sin uh, without the Holy Ghost, without right. Jesus dying on the cross for me, without his grace. Even in the end, yes, no matter what I've done, I, I can't survive this thing without grace. Yeah. Um, we we, and, we couldn't take out the giant without him. Mm-hmm. That's you know, right. He, he has to take out that giant in our life by his grace, by the power of his spirit. That's right. 
There is no power but yeah. of him. We have power because he has power. Because he is power. And he's on the inside of us. And that's where I really want to get into the, the crux of this thing. I feel like that has ushered us into this, this moment. Um, several hundred years later, after that whole thing, a baby is born. After the seed of uh, Abraham and came in the lineage of David. And uh, his name was called Jesus. Uh, a man born in a manger in a stinking stable because the inn had no room for them. And uh, we, we know the Christmas story. We, we've heard it rehearsed frontwards and backwards. And um, But, you know, something that, honestly, the, the Lord really just took me to recently, as recent as actually yesterday, something I never really read or thought about in uh, the, uh, the, the book of Matthew, is when it describes uh, Jesus, the, the events around his birth, after he was born, uh, him and his family had to flee to Egypt uh, because Herod was going to seek his life. And Herod killed all the, the, killed, uh, all the babies, and it fulfilled a couple of prophecies. Um, I believe it's Hosea chapter 11 that says, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And uh, so if it, and, and it says that in the book of Matthew, it, it fulfilled a prophecy uh, from Hosea. And um, he was called out of Egypt and into Nazareth, became a Nazarene. And uh, he was then later on in that, in that same passage, he was baptized by John. And then he went to overcome the enemy and overcome temptation in his flesh. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, then after that, his preaching ministry began. So we have a whole layout here. We, we are called out of sin. We're baptized in water and spirit. Mm -hmm. We have to overcome this flesh. We have to learn to overcome temptation. And then we will see ministries being born. We will see opportunities begin to open up. But it's when we, 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 we got to understand that process, though. You're called out of sin. I believe I'm speaking to a lot of people that are called out of sin. You've been called out of sin. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus. But a lot of times we stay stuck at that third step. Yeah. And we can't seem to get a handle on this flesh and a handle on our temptations. And this is this is where we're going. Um, and we can't seem to make a breakthrough. And we keep and we're stuck in this cycle of failure. Um and I just want you to know there is a way of escape out of that cycle, uh, listener. There, there really is. Um, I was stuck in a cycle for a very long time. And uh, a cycle that nearly destroyed, uh, honestly, nearly destroyed my, 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 my marriage, my, my, my family, my, my, um, my ministry. Uh, it, it, it nearly uh, took me out of this thing. And... Uh, when I began to, and it actually happened through fasting, when I fasted, the Lord gave me, um, I went on an extended fast, and the Lord uh, showed me the way out. And it's in James 5 and 16. James 5 and 16 says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. Yes, uh, the sir. effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, we... We think that confessing to God is all we have to do, and it's true. Confession to God's important. If we're if we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, 
And I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, why do I have to confess to someone else about this cycle? Why do I have to, why can't I just talk to you and be liberated from it? And the Lord spoke to me. He, he gave me an answer by his grace. And he said, nothing humbles the flesh quite like confessing to your brother or your sister. Yes, sir. And that's why it's important to find people you can trust. And you may be asking how in the world does this tie in with the most low God? I promise I'm, I'm coming to that. Um, but the way of escape, you, you, there, it's twofold. In fact, it's interesting that confession to God doesn't say there'll be healing. It says there'll be forgiveness. He'll wash away your iniquity. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He he he, he will wash you. He will sanctify you. And yeah. there is a healing to that. But it says you're healed when you confess to others. Yeah. yeah. There's authority when you confess to others because you pray for one another that you may be healed. Yeah. Uh, confession unlocks healing when you confess to others. Um, it humbles the flesh. It breaks you, it, and it and the vulnerability opens you up for something that is supernatural, and that's the healing power of God. When you open up to one another and pray for one another, trust and love one another. Um, and I did that. I actually, and you don't have to do it from a microphone. You don't have to. The whole world don't have to know. In fact, I would actually advise you find someone you trust. Yeah. I I, I talked to my wife, and we we hugged one another and prayed for one another. And I can tell you, I've been completely free since. Yes, sir. Um, and praise the Lord for that. It, it works. I, from experience, I can tell you it works when, when, when you talk to people. This thing yeah. is, we, we, I, we, we just talked, the funny thing is we just talked about isolation and obscurity. And there, there is an obscurity with God that we must experience. But can I tell you, we're never to be in that obscurity alone. Yes, we yeah. have God, and, but we got to surround ourselves with good people of God. I can't. Yeah. That's why it says, "Forsake not the assembling of yourselves." As you see the day approach, we, we, and it seems like as the day is approaching, we're forsaking less and less. Yeah. And what are we seeing now? Mental illness is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. All kinds of crazy uh, ideologies are creeping up. And I believe a big part of that is the day is approaching. The spirit of Antichrist is loosed in such a powerful way, and we are not assembling. Yeah. We're not talking to one another. And listen, I, 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 I feel pumped in the Holy Ghost to say this. I never even thought about it this way. The Lord just gave this to me. Assembling with yourselves is not just sitting on a pew, going to the altar and raising your hands for a few minutes and then leaving out the back door in a hurry. That's yes, not sir. assembling. Assembling is talking to one another. It's fellowshipping with one another. It's yes. going to those Bible studies. It's it's going to those dinners with one another. It, assembling is not just putting on your nicest suit, going to That's church, it. and then leaving. You have got to assemble yourselves and assimilate with one another and talk to one another and love what we cannot do this thing alone. We've got to join together with our brother and sister in unity. That's the only way the power of God manifests through the apostles when they preached the truth. They stood up together and preached together. it together in unity and power flowed through, uh, flew through them. Yes. You cannot do this by yourself. No, sir. Take it you from can't. someone who knows you can't do this by yourself. You have to have your brothers and your sisters in Christ. We were never meant to do this walk up with God on our own. That's it. We're one body, mm -hmm. members in particular, but one body. We have to have each other. We have to have fellowship with one another. Uh, that, that's why s small group meetings, house to house meetings, house to house mm -hmm. ministry, that is imperative because yes. that provides a place where it's a smaller, intimate group. 
and you can speak, you can talk, you can confess your faults one to another. You can bear one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in large church services. And there's nothing wrong with church services. We need church services. They're great. Yes, but, sir. Man, those house-to-house meetings, those dinner, those times of eating dinner and breaking bread together, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. All four of those is necessary. Yes. Uh, because we need each other. We have to talk to one another. Yes. Uh, the, the devil thrives in darkness. Yes. Wherever he can hide, wherever... If you don't open your mouth and begin to talk to someone about what's going on in your mind and in your emotions, the devil will have a heyday. But yes. when that light exposes what he's doing, he has no power. Satan has power in the dark, but he does not have power in the light. He is completely powerless when light shines on it. Absolutely. That's and so true. Confessing to one another, talking to one another, uh, Becoming low, uh, like you said about the humility, when you begin to speak, that that's becoming low, that's becoming humble. When you humble yourself, the Bible says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Yes. There's some, yes. something about when you begin to speak and you begin to humble yourself, you begin to confess, the grace of God shows up. That's right. That's right. And yeah, absolutely. When, and it even says, uh, we quote this verse all the time that when two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Um, when we're together in this thing, and we, we, we make that exclusive to physical contact, but I believe it's spiritual too. If me, me and you are not together right now physically, I'm not, I'm not in South Carolina, you're not in Texas, but I believe when we get off this call, me and you can find a place of prayer. We can connect spiritually. We can gather together spiritually. I believe yeah. that, and, yeah. and 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 you, you you do not need to share your stuff with everybody. In fact, I advise against that. But it is important that you find Jesus. Even had people, he had his inner circle of disciples that he confided with that he took deeper into Gethsemane. Yeah, I mean, he even had an inner circle. What? Who are we to say that we don't so, need an inner circle? <laughs> well, well, think about that. So Jesus had more. Just so everyone knows, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. Jesus had actually a lot of disciples. As a matter of fact, Paul said that he showed up to over 500 brethren at one time when he was resurrected. So we know That's that right. Jesus at minimum had over 500 disciples. That's at right. minimum, over 500 disciples. He did not have 12 disciples. He had over 500 disciples at minimum. But he had 12 apostles and so within the disciples of 500 at minimum, let's just go with that number, he had an inner circle of 12 apostles. Then within mm-hmm. that inner circle of 12 apostles, he had an inner circle of three, right. Peter, James, and John. And then within that inner circle of three, he had one, the beloved named John. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> that John put his head on Jesus's chest and Jesus said, Judas is the one. John was the one that Jesus said, there's going to be some standing here that does not die until they see uh, the the day of the Son of Man. And John did not die until he saw it because he saw it through revelation. Come on, yeah. that's good. So John saw what we have not seen yet. He wrote that's it right. down. That's right. That's so good. Man, that's so powerful. We, we, we got to have 
are it's good to build up your inner it's good to have mentors we have to have a pastor we we i i i'm one of those crazy people that believes you can't be saved if you don't have a pastor i believe 100%. that yes, you sir. gotta have a pastor if you're gonna be saved you gotta have Must. a pastor even Must pastors pastor. even pastors need pastors everybody That's has to be under authority right. yes sir that is absolutely right yes sir um and and we, we we gotta have that, but you also need your your inner circle of peers that you can confide in that will that that are not unequally yoked. Yeah, you know, don't don't find you. don't don't find people talking to you get telling you what your flesh wants to hear. Find yeah. people that'll tell you what the spirit wants to hear, but your flesh hates. Someone yeah. that can tell you like it is that may not leave you feeling the best, but it's what you need to hear. <laughs> um, don't 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 be having itching ears finding people that tell you what you want to hear, um, because being unequally yoked, we, we we always say it's like with dating, it's true, but it's for friendships so as well. More. Yes, sir. Uh, Amnon had a friend, and it got him into big big trouble. Um, yeah. He was killed. I've been careful yeah. what he did, and right, honestly, rightfully so. I don't have a whole lot of <laughs> sympathy for Amnon, but that whole scripture says Amnon had a friend. How many messages have we heard people preach Amnon had a friend? Um, yeah, it's very important who your friendships are, who are willing to get on their knees with you and pray with you and bind together with you. Um, Josh is one of those friends for me. He's someone that I can talk to, and uh, vice versa. And we we trust one another. Um, now. You want people that you can you can share things with, and you know that they're yeah. not going to go share your things that you shared with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Absolutely. Now, how how does this all tie in with uh, the most low God? Well, we've kind of uh, Josh has been a big help to me in this. He's he's helped me tie it all together and and give the illustration throughout all the points that we've made, and we've weaved this whole thread together, and. Um, the, the big point is this. Jesus gave us ways and methods, even though they may seem uncomfortable, and they are uncomfortable. Uh, confession is not comfortable. Confession is actually, it's an opening. Uh, uh, confession, what people don't realize, confession is a breaking. It, it, it is most certainly a breaking. You're breaking something out of your spirit and getting vulnerable with somebody. You are opening up, you are breaking open and revealing something about yourself that needs to get out. That's what confession is. Yeah. And um, the, the reason that we even have the ability to do that, and the only reason that we have these ways of walking in freedom and liberty is because he was the most low God. Jesus went through all of this. There's even a scripture where you look at it in different translation. He said, I went through, I did not go through all this trouble. He went through all of the trouble. He went through uh, ridicule. He was, he was born in a manger, went through ridicule, went through assassination attempts. People were plotting against his life. People rejected him. And Gadara, this, this, this man was delivered from legion. The demoniac of Gadara was completely delivered. He's actually one of the disciples. He was, except he was told to preach somewhere else. He didn't follow uh, Jesus physically, but he was told to preach somewhere else. He had a different calling than Peter and all the rest of them had. Um, but after the healing happened, uh, people were amazed by it. But when they found out they lost a few pigs, they said, get out of here. You're an inconvenience. Yeah. 
oh, God, Barbara, I can talk about how miracles are sometimes an inconvenience, but, um, <laughs> and it is, but we won't get into that. Um, we're, we're already taking a lot of time, I know, but, um, when, when, we, when we look at all that Jesus went through, all the rejection, all the hate, all, all the, the, the mistrial, they broke their own commandments bearing false witness against him. They mm -hmm. did the same thing with Stephen. They had a habit of doing this. Oh, yeah. if, you think, if you think Jesus was the first person they did that to, you're so, you're so mistaken. They, they did that so many times. They, they had a habit. They knew how to bear false witness. <laughs> yeah. And um, had a whole, whole, whole rigged trial. And um, went through all of that, the beatings, and then finally the the horrific uh, execution that is uh, the crucifixion. He went through all of that so that we could walk in liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God wants you to be free, and He doesn't just want you to be healed from your physical ailments. God wants you to be free from your mental ailments. Yeah, we so it is it is so overlooked, but we have got to understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I serve yeah. a God. I serve a Father that restores sanity. I serve a God that delivers from depression. Yes, He heals. He can heal you from leukemia. He can heal you from any cancer. He can regrow limbs. He can re He can do anything He wants physically. I believe that. We've seen that, but. But I do believe that God most certainly cares about your mental health. God does yeah. not want you to be having tormenting dreams every night. And I'm talking to somebody right now. You haven't even been able to get a good night's sleep. I'm telling you, God wants you to be able to rest. He wants you to be able to sleep well without these perverse, tormenting dreams entering your mind. Yes, God sir. doesn't want you to be living in chaos. And He wants your mind to be stayed on you. He, want, he wants you to have dominion over your mind. We, we I've heard people talk about all the time. I believe it's one of the biggest misnomers ever. Yes, there is a point where our mind is a battlefield, but our mind was never meant to stay as a battlefield. Our, our mind is meant to be a place of peace where we take into captivity. We have total dominion over, and it's a place that keeps stayed on Jesus Christ. It is yes. not meant to be a place where you are constantly warring every day and every night. I'm so sick of hearing people tell people that your mind is not to be a battlefield 20 Four seven. That's right. Your mind is meant to be a place where you can retreat to God to, where you can find yourself in a prayer closet and talk to the Lord. Your mind is meant to be a place free from perversion and free yes. from all that mess. God gave you dominion over your mind. You're not yes. meant to be warring. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you this. We, we wrestle not in the flesh. We war in the spirit. And I heard a quote say by brother, the late brother Eli Hernandez, a great man of God, who said, if you are constantly warring in the flesh, you disqualify yourself from warring in the spirit mm. god does not want you to constantly war in your flesh we must overcome the flesh we must overcome the temptations of this world and then can really cause some damage in the spirit and spiritual warfare the reason why none of you are, are the reason why some of you are not receiving the victory you want to see is because again you're stuck at that step you're stuck in the flesh you, the enemy has kept you stuck in your mind has got you stuck in this battlefield in your mind god wants to give you victory and total dominion in your mind i believe that yes. he became the most low god for that and the lord gave me this statement 
I, I have power and authority. I, I, I have revelation. I have all those things. When we laid that foundation, it was for this moment. I have all those things because he's the most high God. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. I have him everywhere I go with me because he's omnipresent. I have revelation. I have all those things because he is the most high God. But I have salvation because he's the most low God. I feel the Holy yes. Ghost. I have healing because he's the most low God. Yes. yes, I have authority. Yes, and I'm so thankful for the most high God. But don't you understand that grace is him reaching down to our level of incompetence and bringing us up to where we need to be. It's because he reaches down, because he is the most low God. I'm, a go I'm going to experience his grace because he's most low. I experience his healing, his deliverance, and all that stuff because he's the most low God. Yes. Oh, Jesus, Amen. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. It's, it, it, I believe I'm talking to people right now. God doesn't want you just to experience his highness. He wants you to experience his lowness. Yeah. And we experience his lowness when we find a place of prayer. We get on our face and get low with him. Yeah. And, and when we get on our face with him and allow him to set us up on our feet after that, after that tremendous time of prayer, I'm telling you, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Nice. You will have victory. When you find yourself on your knees, God will lift you up on your feet, and you will have that big Goliath moment victory. Yeah. Your Goliath right now may be that depression. Your Goliath right now may be... Uh, the oppression and, and, the, and the suicidal thoughts, God does not want you to live with that. All those things are contrary. The Lord has not given you those spirits. In fact, he gives a sound mind. And, and, and I, I, right now, I plead the blood over your mind. I plead the blood. Every listener right now, I plead the blood over your mind right now. I rebuke all torment. I rebuke all fear. Forgive me, Josh, but I feel the Holy the Ghost right now Jesus. to pray follow for people. It. Yes, sir. Follow it. Lord, right now, I, in the name of Jesus, I command all spirits of perverse dreams to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. I <laughs> command <laughs> all devils and all torments, all depression, all suicide, all low self-esteem, all discouragement, all distractions. I rebuke all spirits of pornography, envy, jealousy. I rebuke all these things that are hindering your people in the name of Jesus. And I lose the opposite of that to rule and reign in your people right now in the name of Jesus. I command people to be free right now in the name of Jesus. Let their minds be liberated from torment, Lord Jesus. Give them dominion, restore dominion over their mind right now in the name of Jesus. The enemy's told you you can't have freedom from the pornography, that you can't have freedom from the dreams, that you can't have freedom. I want to tell you right now, you can have freedom right now in the name of Jesus. As you're listening to a podcast, you may be on the road right now. You may be in your room. You may be at the house, sick home from work. Wherever you're at right now, if you could just lift up your hands and pray and seek the face of God right now. He wants to heal you and deliver you. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And that perfect love is demonstrated by the lameness of our God. Hallelujah. Perfect yes. love is demonstrated on my cross. Perfect love is demonstrated in Bethlehem. Perfect love is demonstrated in Bethlehem. 
confess that offering and give them, oh my Jesus, a sound mind. Give them a spirit of love. Give them power and authority right now. Restore dominion, oh Lord, mighty God, over their mind. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, God wants you to be free today. He wants you to be free and totally liberated. He made himself lower than the angels. He became the most low God. The Alpha became the Omega. The first became the last. The deity became humanity. He became the most high, became the most low so that you could be free from sin, so that you could be liberated from torment and from the hand of the devil. God wants wants you to be free. He did not go through all that stuff that he went through for you to stay defeated and for you to stay in your place uh, in your cycle of failure. Yes. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Mm. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. He came not to seek after the righteous. He came to seek sinners. He came to save sinners. Yes. They that are, he said, they that are whole have no need of the physician. It's those that are lowly. He became low for the low. Yes. Uh, and this this has so much to do with everything. I mean, we could we could talk about so much, brother Josh. We could no. we could talk about how those who want to be elevated in ministry, you got to do it by first being low. We can gotta go low. Uh, Jesus ascended because he first became low and died on a cross. We we can get into all that stuff, but right now, I I really just believe that the Lord wanted to use this podcast to minister to people who are who who feel like they're at the end of their rope. They're hanging on by a thread and they feel like they are in the depths of hell. And, and, and but God's going to take you out in the name of Jesus. He's, he's going to save you. Believe it. He loves you. Jesus was ascended far above all heavens because he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He went low first. You want to go high, you got to go low. That's right. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's killing the flesh. Mm-hmm. Kill the flesh. Present right. your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. The renewing right. of your mind. It is the will of God for your mind to be renovated. It is not That's the right. will of God. Yes, your mind is a battlefield. But it is not the will of God for you to fight battles 24-7, 365. That's right. There needs to be times of peace, times of yes. joy, that where, where your mind is renovated. Renovated. Yes. Your thinking is different. Your thinking is free. You're not in Egypt anymore. You're not a slave. You can think like a free man. That's Amen. right. I, I, the renovation I, of your mind. And, and and I know I've had I've had people that would probably I, I I probably have people on this that are listening right now that may disagree with me, but I really do believe that yes, there are points in life. Maybe there are more points than one. There are points in life, and maybe just one point where our mind it is a battlefield. But when it says take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, every what that thought. means is any thought, any devil, anything that seeks to attack your mind. It shouldn't even be a battle. A battle means that you're contending. It yeah. shouldn't even be a contention. You should just rip that into captivity. You have yes. total dominion. It's not yes. meant to be this thing where you are just wrestling yes. all night and all day. No, it's meant to be where you just say, uh-uh, I reject. I'm telling you, after I, I, re- I after I was 
delivered from that cycle, I could truly fulfill the scripture when it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Yes. Um, if you feel like, man, I'm resisting, but I don't feel free, it's because you got to get out of a cycle. Yeah. You, you, you can't live in failure and expect dominion over the devil. Yeah. You, you, it, but when you do, and I believe that I, I believe it's a win. Not a, you know, if I believe that the listeners here that are hearing this, I don't I don't care if it's just one person. God is going to liberate you, and you will be able to go through life. Whenever those birds do fly over your head, you can reject them from building a nest in your hair. You can just say no. It don't even take a whole lot. It just says no. Yeah. Just say no. And, right. and and you but but your but your liberty to say no to sin is dependent on your discipline to consistently say yes to God. Yes. Keep saying yes to God, and you will continue to have the power to say no to sin. Um, we could keep going on and on, man. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't Amen. I don't want to take too much of your time, but well, brother, it's it's been good, and it feels like it was a big shot, a couple of shotgun blasts. I'm usually. Yeah. I, I I try to present things a little bit more refined, but I just I felt just to go with the flow. <laughs> amen. It's been good. Well, um, yeah, amen. Well, glory to God. And uh Thank you, Jesus. it's been great and we're looking forward to uh more conversations with you. I I know that this is not the only time you'll you'll be here. Amen. We'll okay. have future conversations. Uh mm -hmm. you're you're one of the people that I have conversations with so amen um, amen well just let me know i mean i'm i, I don't have an incredibly busy schedule so just <laughs> let me know I'd be more than happy to I, I really enjoyed this it was a blessing amen well glory to god yes. uh, may the grace and peace of our lord jesus christ be unto all the, the hearers and god bless you and we will uh, definitely see you on the next one uh, with our next guest and we will have brother blair on some point in the future so god bless everyone god bless you brother blair and god bless uh, mandy and ezra in jesus name amen